Hello and welcome again to the fellow cast and today is a Ask the Pastors episode which will be a welcome break I suppose to all the Bring Your Own Bible episodes that we've been having but it's not a break in the pastor contribution. We've got Pastor Garth again and I'm hoping that I can get this question right. So the question is what do we do with the fact or how do we accept that God still allows slavery to be legal I suppose in the book of Exodus especially in Exodus chapter 21. Please enlighten us. Yes, it's a very good question. And I must say, it's one that myself and Rob have wrestled with a few years back um, because we kept asking the question, uh, if God then brought them to Mount Sinai, Mm. out of Egypt, out of slavery, and then started giving them instructions for life, for how the nation will work from here on out, why did he not just write out slavery? and say, you shall never again have slaves. Mm. Um, And this will be a problem for us for the rest of Scripture, because all the way into the New Testament, never ever does the Bible uh, uh, not condone slavery. Mm. Never do God ever come, Jesus in the Gospels, never come and say, thou shalt not have slaves. You know, free up all your slaves or anything like that. Um, But what we must see is, uh, as soon as we read in chapter 21, oh, they can have slaves, what? Uh, They can give their slaves hidings. I mean, as the chapter goes on, you'll see it's it's a bit of a real challenge. We must keep in mind that we come from a Western culture. Mm -hmm. And in our culture, being owned is a no-no. Nobody owns me. You know, we are a very individualistic people and we have our rights. All right. Um, and it hasn't been like that for a long time. Uh, if you think back just about American slavery and the war that was fought, it's very much yesterday yeah. in terms of the length of history. And then before that, William Wilberforce standing up in Europe um, and fighting his good fight against slavery. It's very much yesterday still. Mm. It, it's very new still. Um, but keeping in mind then that we look with a particular cultural I, at this picture, let's also say to ourselves, when I, from a Western perspective, look at slavery, the slavery that I see is not the slavery that uh, Exodus chapter 21 speaks about. Mm. Rather, the slavery that I see is the slavery that looks like Exodus chapter 1 and the gap between Genesis and Exodus. The slavery in Egypt, where they got beaten, uh, where they got forced, where um, they were asked unfair uh, amount of work of every single day, where they could lose their children and the children were thrown into the Nile River. In other words, they were really used like animals and worse. It was inhumane. Absolutely. The treatment. Absolutely inhumane. And they had no rights. Absolutely no rights. They were forced to do whatever Pharaoh and his officials wanted him to do. Um, so that's the kind of slavery mm. and God does not condone that um, in fact when we think about European slavery and about slavery over in America and other places we think about a ship going across the sea and stealing people from another country and selling them in another country yeah. in my country All right, that's the kind of slavery that comes to mind of us mm. and all those images out of the movies that we've seen and books that we've read yeah. about that. Which um, is wrong in God's It's absolutely eyes, yeah. wrong because later in chapter 21, it clearly says 
that if anyone kidnaps another, that's verse 16 of chapter 21, if anyone kidnaps another and either sells him or still has him when he is caught, he must be put to death. Mm. All right. So that's God speaking out against that kind of slavery. It says, sorry, that is not acceptable. Yeah. You are not allowed to sell people. Go and steal them and sell them for profit. Um, in chapter one, 21, then, what is it that we're seeing then? Um, in fact, let's maybe make a comparison because when we speak about slavery, we don't see that. Either um, in, in our day and time, it'll be like the slavery in the sex trade, yeah. right? And, and that's stealing people and selling them. Yes. And it's unfortunate that we use the same word. It's sort of like saying, um, I'm, a, I'm an employee. I work in a factory and my boss treats me really fairly. I get um, uh, paid very well. And uh, his expectations of me in terms of the hours of work and all of that, uh, it's good. Mm. You, on the other hand, work in the factory right next door. You're also an employee, just like me, but uh, you have horrible working circumstances. Yeah. Your boss never pays you for overtime. He expects way too much of you, and he uh, abuses you with words or with actions or whatever. Mm. We're both employees, but our circumstances are completely different. So that's what we're looking at over here. Yeah. Um, God is painting a very different picture. And can I say, just in the bigger context, remember where they're standing. They're standing at Mount Sinai, just being delivered from slavery in Egypt. And then God comes with this fire on the mountain. The whole mountain quakes and the earth uh, just trembles and lightning shoots out. And the entire mountain seems to be on fire. And Moses is walking up into this mountain. Uh, before he does, though, God speaks the words of chapter 20 audibly to the entire nation. All of them hear those words, and later God will write it down himself for him. Um, and then just after chapter 20's Ten Commandments, um, God just speaks about idols and altars to idols, which is not acceptable. And then the very next thing that God address is slavery, which is absolutely appropriate. If God's going to change this nation of slaves that he's just set free, the first thing that he needs to address is slavery. So he's actually saying to them, so you guys, when you have slaves in the nation that I'm going to give you, in the land that I'm bringing you to, this is how it's going to look. Hmm. And it's completely different yeah. from how it looked for them. So reformation of slavery. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then before we dive into it, just keep in mind that there's a bigger context. God is going to speak about every single area of the nation. The entire culture is going to be reformed over the next three books. It's Exodus, all of the instructions in it, and then Leviticus, and then Numbers, and the repetition of it then in the book of Deuteronomy. For all of these instructions, God's going to change the way this nation lives. Yeah. He's setting them up for success. Part of that is, he's going to say to them a few times, there will be no poor in your land if you live the way that I tell you to live. Mm. So how's that? Yeah. In the bigger picture... Even though he allows for slavery, which we'll see just now why, um, he's saying, I don't want anybody poor in this land. Everybody must have his own land. Mm. Um, everybody must own his own field, his own allotment that I'm going to give to them in the generations to come. The next thing is he's going to say a few times, the same laws applies to the foreigners as applies to you. You cannot have two books of laws, one for foreigners, one for Israelites. The same laws applies in your land for everybody. Mm. Which again, if you think about where they come from in Egypt, 
It was definitely not the case, eh? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. You were either an Egyptian or an Israelite, and life as an Israelite looked very, very different as an Egyptian. Yeah. You didn't have the same rights. And then the, the third thing that I just want to point out, um, a foreigner, any foreigner, could become an Israelite as long as they're circumcised and they worship the Lord God only. Hmm. So there again... It, it's a very different life than what you would have seen in, in Egypt. Even though the Israelites lived in Egypt and blessed Egypt through Joseph and the generations afterwards uh, for four generations, they were still Israelites. Mm. None of them could become Egyptians. Okay? In Israel, it's not going to be the case. You could really become part of the land, yeah. sort of like that green card picture in America. Yeah. Okay? Um, so... In that bigger scope then, uh, let's look at what it says. It says, um, chapter 21, verse 2, If you buy a Hebrew servant, he is to serve you for six years, but in the seventh year he shall grow free without paying anything. If he comes alone, he is to go free alone, but if he has a wife when he comes, um, she is to go with him. Uh, if his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the woman and her children shall belong to her master and only the man uh, shall go free. So just to begin with, how will it happen that you buy a Hebrew slave? It means this guy must put himself on the market because he has a right just like any other Hebrew to live in this land. So picture for yourself, Voldu, you lose your house somehow. Um, maybe you made a big mistake with an investment and you were uh, a very great employee. <laughs> you lost your job. Things just absolutely goes bad with you for a year or two or three. And you and Nadia and the kids come into a dire state. You're unable to feed your kids anymore. Um, you're unable to keep your house. What are you going to do? If you lived in Israel in this time, you could come to me and you could say to me, Garth, it seems like things are going all right with you, uh, would you mind buying me and my family as slaves? And for the next seven years, we'll stay in your house. You will give us a bed. You will give us food. You will give us clothes. You will send my kids off to school. Everything I need will be taken care of you. And I'll ask you, but yeah, what do I get out of this? Well, I'm your slave. I'll clean your house. Um, I'll wash your car. I'll make sure my wife mows your lawn three times a week. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds about and right. Then, oh, oh, you work in a business? You've got a factory? Uh, uh, yeah, I'll work there. When my kids are uh, a few years older, they can come and pack boxes for you there. Whatever you want us to do, we'll mm. do it for seven years. And after that, I'll be back on my feet and thank you very much. That'll be the end of our arrangement. So right from the start, it's a seven-year agreement. God caps it. He says, if somebody comes into a bad state, if they're unable to look after themselves, I give you a seven-year gap mm. to get out of that bad state, to get back onto your feet. But if you're in a bad state, Voldu, God made sure that you don't stay a slave forever. Mm. He gives you an out. Give you a seven-year period, and after that, there we go. You're back on your feet. You can get back to doing mm. your life. Mm. Um and then after that period, uh, oh, oh, let's just address that story of when the wife comes in and out. Um, when you come to me as a bachelor and I give you a wife, in this culture it would have meant that I paid for your wife because you have a, what do they call it? Labola, yeah. a dowry, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, I paid for her. Now when you leave, 
you want to take the wife that I paid for. <laughs> What's the expectation? That's where it gets complicated. The expectation is she's your wife. Yeah. She's going to bear your kids. Yeah. You need to pay for her, just like any other is. Buy her out. Yes, buy her out. Okay. Okay. Um, part of the culture. In other words, again, from our view, listen, prearranged marriages yeah. are out. Yeah. <laughs> but in this culture, it was part of the culture. I think there's something, sorry, but I think there's something good in that as well because it it sets you free from feeling after you've left that you still owe something. Yes. You've completely bought your way out, you've worked your way out, and you're free to go. Yeah. Uh, there's a break. Yeah, yeah. So it, it makes sense. It is, no. Um, and uh, the other thing then is uh, consider the fact that if you, let's say, you weren't a really great employee, somehow you kept on rocking up late, you um, didn't do your job well, and therefore that's how you felt into a bad way. Whatever. Not not that people are in bad ways always because of their own doing. Definitely not. Sure. But let's paint that picture. Now you've got the opportunity in my house to learn in my factory how to work. You mm. go away with new skills. You, you go away with a new work ethic maybe or something like that. So in many ways, um, <laughs> though we can't even picture slavery in our country setting, um, we have to give God the credit for saying, listen, he put something in place that for that time and for that age worked. This was part of the making of, hey, if you live like I tell you to live, there will be no poor in the land. There's this, this cushioning, this catch net at the bottom of society that nobody can fall through. If mm. somebody's in a bad way, they can be owned by somebody for seven years, and that person that owns them has the responsibility to yeah. look after them for seven years. We mustn't lose that fact, mm. that you eat my food, you stay in my house, I clothe you, I give you everything that you need for seven years. Mm. Um, there's a trade-off in that. And then the other part that we just have to address that's a bit difficult when you read chapter 21 is the whole fact that I can give you a hiding, Valdu, if you don't work. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like I can give you a good and proper hiding, <laughs> all right? Uh, it says there if, uh, if a man beats his slave and the guy dies, I'm guilty. Yeah. I've killed a man, all right? Uh, it says if I beat you, Valdu, as my slave and I knock out your tooth, then you're free. Okay, but wait, I paid money for you. I looked after you. <laughs> and mm. suddenly I lose out. So I better look yeah. look after sure. you well. If I damage your eye, the same thing. In other words, it's just saying that, listen, masters, watch out how you treat your slaves. Yeah, Watch out. You can lose your slave, and it's a lot of money that walks out that door. Yeah. It's a good worker that maybe walks out that door. Mm. It's a, suddenly a vacancy in my company the moment I lose my temper against them. Mm. But on the other hand as well, we have to see that Scripture uh, makes it clear that I can give my kids hidings, all right? Mm. Now, we know the laws have changed in our nation, but Scripture says that's part of life. That's part of disciplining them. So in a big way, having a slave in the house is having another kid in the house because I've got all the responsibilities of looking after my own kids mm. Now, what can I do if you decide one day, I don't want to go to work today, boss? You're my master, but I'm going to lie in bed today. What can I do? I cannot stop feeding you. I cannot stop clothing you. I cannot, any of those things. Because the moment I stop that, you become ill. You're unable to work for me. And the whole arrangement falls flat. Mm. So you really become like a child in my house when I'm the master and you're the slave. 
and uh, I need to discipline you mm. like one of my children. Um, so again, it's a big mind changer for us because it's way out of our culture. Yeah. But read it from that perspective and suddenly you can see the goodness of God to a nation that says slavery will look different in your mm. land. Mm. Just a last thought from my side. I, I don't know if you wanted to speak into this, but uh, in, in chapter 21, it it goes uh, at, in verse 5, it says, but if the slave declares, I love my master, my wife and my children, I do not want to leave as a free yes. man. His master is to bring him. And then it goes on that you can stay on and he makes a hole in his ear. Yeah. So that also for me just kind of rounds the picture off in slavery that, that it's not a, you know, like you've been saying, it's not like a human trafficking no. forced kind of situation uh, i i think you explained it beautifully by saying you kind of put yourself on the market at circumstances that maybe led to this yeah. but in the end you could have grown in such a great relationship with your master that would want you to stay on as a slave yeah. permanently mm -hmm. so for me already that that changes the picture of slavery i think a lot of there's a stigma on the word so to speak um i, I don't know what the hebrew would say or the greek would say or in, on the word of sla in, in slavery um, but it does make it softens the th what you think about slavery yeah. if you compare it to what you've said. You know, Exodus one is this forced labor, almost like a racism against the nation. Mm. It's all of that, which is a whole another topic you can speak about. Yeah, um, yeah. The book of Joshua suddenly with the Gibeonites. Remember that whole treaty that they came and cheated the the Israelites and lied to them and said we stay far off, make a peace treaty with mm. them, and eventually they became slaves. It never seems like it's God in God's intent yeah. that they would own them as slaves. And then later in the book, um, it says that they couldn't drive out several pockets of the Canaanites out of the land. So what did they do? They subjected them to forced labor. They mm. made slaves of them. Again, the, the story is very clear that that was not God's intent. Mm. Um, so that's not the kind of slavery that God wanted to see in Israel. And then we have to remember, we have to challenge ourselves in our Western thinking to say, but uh, what does it mean when I say, or when the scripture says, I'm a slave yeah. to righteousness. Yeah. I'm bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm doubly his. He made me and he bought me. Mm. Um, uh, can we have the kind of picture that these guys would have had of what it meant to say, I'm owned by God? Mm. Yeah. Maybe a last thought was just, uh, you said, about that um, afterwards I have the choice um, to remain a slave in the house, to willfully give me to, my, to my, myself to my master for the rest of my life. I think the challenge for me more than anything out of this portion is to ask the question, if I'm an employee, would my master want me after seven years? Mm. <laughs> uh, or would he wish that the seven years pass by sure. You know, in this picture? Am I that kind of employee like Joseph? You know, who was a slave in the house and blessed his master mm. so much so that the in, entire household prospered because Joseph was there and everything could be trusted to him. Um, am I that kind of worker? Mm. If I'm an employer, would my employees come to me after seven years and say, please, please keep me. I just want to stay here. Don't ever let me go. I just want to give myself to, yeah. this, to this workplace, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's really, I think what we must take to our hearts is, am I that kind of employee? Am I that kind of employer mm. that people would want to stay? 
Mm. And I, that's, is the, that's the way that I treat them. Yeah. Mm. Thank you so much, Garth. Really a great way in, in answering that question. And if you have any other questions pertaining to the scriptures or Christianity, our faith, then please feel free to send them to us. Um, you can pop them in the box in the foyer, which probably won't happen at the moment, but you can send us an email and we would love to read through them, work through them and, and answer them in a way that would bring revelation to you. So thanks for listening. Until next time. Thank you.